Thanks for being in church on a big Seahawks playoff game, and we all have smart enough machines that will watch the TV show for us and tell us all about it later, right? We will not spoil this for you that are fans. Um, my son, Ben, who lives out of town, he comes occasionally, and I asked him, well, you know, what's going on this week? And he says, well, Junko's going to church, but I'm not. I said, Why? well, I'm going to stay home and watch the Seahawks game. And I said, okay, why? And he says, well, because the last time there was a playoff game like this, at the end of the sermon, the pastor says, oh, and he announces the score and ruined it for me, and I'm not letting that happen again. So I promise you, <laughs> I promise you I will not tell you the score because I won't know the score. I'm waiting. I'm going to watch the game later today anyway. So anyway, thanks for being in church. Today's the 13th. Let's make a quick one through Proverbs. Proverbs 13.2, the good acquire a taste for helpful conversation. Bullies push and shove their way through life. Go ahead. Welcome back to the Research Labs of Better. Let's join Martin and Julie again on their first date. Do these jeans make me look fat? Uh, they look alright. Ooh, that one might end up ugly. Let's see what it looks like with better. Um, do these jeans make me look fat? They look great. When life hands you choices, choose better. How many of you are believing for a better year? Hoping for a better year this year? Does any crazies want a worse year next year or something? No, everybody wants a better show, a better, better year this year. We're in a new series called Better, and uh, we're looking at verses that include the word better buried somewhere within them. And um, today's message, I mean, and we're going to memorize as we go along the way too. Today's message, I think, really has uh, you know a special ability to maybe impact and change lives. Um, but at the same time, it might be a message that might be one of the easiest messages there are that you could just shake it off. Just shake it off. And go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then go on with life and nothing's different. I'm asking you, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen today. Because maybe God wants to say something to you or show you something or change you in some way. Please stay sensitive to what the Spirit might be saying to you today, and uh, I, I have some pretty high expectations. There is an underlying lesson that we're going to develop as we go through this today, and you will learn it, okay? You will learn it, not because of my sheer willpower. You, I'm just saying you will learn this. God will make sure that at some time you learn the lesson, and you can learn it the easy way. Today is the easy way, right? Oh, hey, that makes sense. Wow, got it. I mean, that's me. That's the easy way. Or you can learn it the hard way, which um, I believe everybody does, uh, but you will learn it. And, um, you know, I think, I think there, I've, I've seen people learn this lesson or realize this. I've actually seen them realize it on their deathbed. When they look backwards and go, oh, wow, I could have, could have and I wish I should have done things better. You know, or they, there's even an example, one example of it in scripture of a parable where it was learned in eternity where a guy looked across the gulf and said, oh, could somebody go back and warn my brothers? Um, so I believe that everybody learns this. And I pray today that you will learn it today and it make a difference in your life. Do you know um, about red hots and hot tamales? 
you know, I hope you do. And if you don't, you should know that if there was no such thing as chocolate, this would be the top of the, of the food chain. Chocolate is definitely the top of the food chain. But this, this would be there were it not for chocolate. So we're in a very rare air here. You can see we've got some hot tamales, and you can't see it too well, but there's also some red hots in there. I'm going to share this with you later. Okay, yeah? So um, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but those are a couple of my real absolute favorites. And uh, they represent one of the biggest lies our culture tells us. <laughs> Hate to tell you that, but they represent something that culture's been telling us for a lot of years. And, and uh, it's, it's one of our biggest battles. I really believe it's one of our biggest battles. And uh, it teaches us that if one is good, two is better. Thank you very much. If playing one sport is good, well, then playing two sports must be better. If, if having $1 is good, then having $2 would be better. I kind of agree with that one. If having one car is good, then having two cars would be better. If having one kid is good, well, then maybe we should have eight, because eight would be enough. I don't know. <laughs> Remember this show? Grant Goodeve, the guy up in the middle of the row in the back there, he does Evening Northwest Magazine. Anyway, but eight is too many. It's not enough. It's just too many. If having one wife is good, then having two is crazy, right? That would be trouble. If you go all the way back to the beginning, to the Garden of Eden, you can see a form of this lie kind of taking place there. And the deal is that, you know, God created everything, and he created man, he had all these things, and he looked at man, and he said, hey, it's good Everything's good here, but he shouldn't be alone. That's not good. So he forms Eve and um, says to the two of them, you know, hey, be fruitful and multiply and, you know, you can have anything you want here, eat any of this stuff. You can have anything. You have everything. Just one tree, no touch. Just stay off of that. Everything else, it's yours. Go for it. And then uh, Lucifer comes along, a snake comes along, and he says, you know, did God really say you shouldn't eat that because, you know, the truth is that if you do, you'll become like him. And basically the serpent's saying to them something like this. You have everything, but what you don't have is what you need. That one thing you don't have, that's what you need to be happy. Because more is always better than less. Wow. More is always better. So I remember being in the fifth grade, roughly fourth or fifth grade, and, and uh, I grew up in Spokane. And Now, here's the other part of this. I'm not going to pollute these, these hot tamales so that you will feel comfortable eating them later. right? So I'm going to pour it on these highly sterilized, impossible-to-get-on gloves. Okay, I'm not doing so. Is there a trick? Okay. There's one. And are these the right size? Extra small? Who bought these things for me? This wasn't part of the act. Okay. All right. So it's close enough. So I remember going in the fifth grade. You know, I would roam around with my pals, and we would go downtown. Well, I grew in Spokane, and we would go to the theater, the Fox Theater on Saturdays. And, uh, you know... It was a different time, and for 10 cents, you get an all-day bus pass, and we'd roam around. And So we'd go to all-day theater, and I would look forward, because on Saturdays, I mean, I knew what I was going to do, and I would get down there, and, and I'd buy Red Hots. Red Hots was the deal for me. Now, the, the box was kind of like this, 
although this is only half full, but the box was probably at least twice as big. And, um, and instead of a photograph of an opening with the Red Hots in there, it actually had a cellophane window. You might remember that, Candy. It actually had, yeah, I see a lot of heads. I'm, my brothers and my sisters, way to go. And so it would be full of nice, fresh, I mean, and they were, seemed like they were a little bit hotter than two. Could be, I just don't remember it, but Red Hots was my thing. And I'd buy two big boxes of Red Hots. And um, this is not working out too well, the gloves thing here. But I'd buy two boxes of Red Hots, and um, I would just watch those movies, and I would start eating those things and eating those things and eating them. And uh, I don't know what's inside them, some sort of battery acid or sugar or something. (laughs) And I just loved them. And um, I would just keep eating them. And, And you really shouldn't eat that many Red Hots at one setting because, not just because of the sugar, but there's something in them. And at, at the end of the movie, my time there, my whole mouth would be like red, partly from the dye, but also partly from whatever was going on in there chemically. And I would realize that I no longer could taste the cinnamon red hots. They had burned my taste buds. They will do that. If you eat enough of them, they will literally burn your taste buds. And I would go for days many days, and not be able to taste anything that I put in my mouth. I love those Red Hots. You know, maybe God was teaching me then that more is not always better than, last, uh, than less. Um, you know, sometimes more is just more. This is not all good. It's just more. And I remember, you know, then in 10th grade, <laughs> this is a little bit of fess-up time, 10th grade, uh, my geometry class, and there was a kid who sat across the aisle from me, or, you know, across, next row over. His name was Bill. Bill B. I, I would just say his real name. I, I haven't seen him since then. I don't know if I killed him or not, but, um, but you know, I never know if I could say somebody's name in a sermon illustration, but this is a true story. So Bill B, and you know, we were always one-upmanship in this class, and I said, well, you can't eat that many hot tamales in one sitting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yes, I can. Okay, tough guy. Prove it, prove it. So I showed up one day at school, and the dare was Two full boxes of hot tamales in your mouth at one time. Chew them up and swallow them. (laughs) Do not try that at home, even if you're a professional. And so, you know, hot tamales, they're great. Don't you just love hot tamales? Oh, that one went in. I guess I have to eat that one. And, and, I mean, so the day came. I can still see this happening that day. So I, 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 now the teacher's teaching the class. This is going on during class. Nobody's supposed to know except this small cluster of people that I've completely disrupted. And, and Bill, I said, okay, so here they are, and I shove them these two boxes. This is a big dare. He's a wuss if he doesn't do it now, and he's doing it. So he takes those boxes, and he cracks it open and opens it up and pours a whole box of hot tamales in his mouth at once, starts chewing it to make room. And he's got this smug look on his face. I'm smiling, you know, Show has just begun. And, um, and I said, come on. You, the bet was two whole boxes, chew them up at the same time. So he says, all right, give it to me. So I gave him the second one. He takes that second box, opens it up, pours it in, starts chewing on it, and now he's glaring back at me <laughs> like this. And I'm smiling. I'm just watching. And very slowly, his face starts turning red. And then I start noticing his eyes starting to water up. And tears beginning to form. And all of a sudden, the smile is gone. And after about 30 seconds, you see him, and he has this panicked look on his face. And pardon me for this, but he drops to the floor. And like a dog, he starts throwing up like crazy. (laughs) 
It was a great moment in geometry. <laughs> wow. He overdosed on hot tamales and he threw up. Our main thought for today is this. It's better to have less of something that doesn't matter than to have more, so that you can have more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Would you read that out loud with me? It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. So today, that brings us to today's memory verse, which is Ecclesiastes 4.6. We'll just go over this a couple of times. Um, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Everybody, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's just shorten that. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Turn it off. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. One more time. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Great. Way to go. Then a chasing after the wind. <laughs> Way to go, girls. You get to stand up here next week and get a treat. <laughs> Better one handful. Why? Because if I have only one handful, my other handful is available. My other hand's available. Right? And so I run into somebody who needs help up. I've got a handful with which I can, a hand that available that I can help them up. I run into somebody who needs to be encouraged. I've got a hand that I can encourage them. I see, run into somebody who needs something. I've got a hand that I can give them to. I run into somebody who needs a hug. I can hug them, right? I've got one handful. But if I have two handfuls and I see somebody who needs help up, what do I do? Hey, good luck praying for you, brother. Is that what you do? I mean, because it's important for me not to let go of my hot tamales. Sorry. I wish I could be there for you. I'll pray for you, though, right? I mean, what do you do when you got two handfuls? It's better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls. Okay, enough of those. Enough of those gloves. Now, those are still pristine and clean hot tamales for your enjoyment a little bit later. Better one handful with tranquility than two. Jesus hit this principle head on when he was talking to a group of people and he was kind of aggressive about it with his words. He was talking to this group of people in Luke 12 and he says this, he says, watch out. This is Jesus talking. It's a warning. He's saying, you know, be careful because I'm going to warn you about something that will sneak up on you and kick you in the tailside. Now that's a paraphrase. That's not what Jesus said. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. More, 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 more. Be on guard. Why? Because he says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Watch out. Be on guard. More isn't always better. Watch out. Be careful because greed will chase you down and you have no idea. Then he goes on and he tells this parable about this guy who was really successful in uh, business. and, And this guy is thinking, you know, I'm doing so well 
that I'm going to build bigger barns for myself to hold more stuff. I'm doing so well that I'm going to build myself a bigger house to take care of myself. I'm doing so well that I'm going to store up all these good things for myself. And now that I'm doing so well, I think I can take it easy. I can, you know, party a little bit. I can eat. I can drink. I can be merry all the time. And then God says to him, you know, hold on. You're really being foolish here because you didn't know it. But tonight your life will be required of you. And then what's going to happen to all this stuff? And Jesus goes on to say, and he gets getting down into verse 21, he says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. That's what it's going to be like for anyone who just goes more, 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 more and chasing after the wind but doesn't have what matters most. And that's a relationship with God. I'm convinced, this is just Terry, but I'm convinced that God really doesn't care so much about what you have. He doesn't care. If you want to have snowmobiles, have snowmobiles. If you like to go, if you like to play games, you're tennis, then go do tennis. If you like, you know, he doesn't care what you have so long as what you have doesn't have you. He doesn't care what you have. It's just stuff. It's not evil. But God does want us to be rich towards that which really matters. And that's why it's better to have less of things that don't matter and more of what does. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. So because it's better to have what does matter, I want to ask you, and this is rhetorical, don't answer this out loud, you know, ask you to define in your own life what is it that really matters. If it's better to have more of what matters, what really matters? Right now. You know, think about it. You know, if you have a notepad, write it down, or if you send yourself a text, but just right now, and you're thinking about this, make a mental note. What is it that really, really matters? Now, if you don't know, if you're, if, if, you should know. I mean, this should be easy, but if you don't really know, let me help you with a little scenario. Let's make this scenario up. You go to the doctor, and it's uh, not a happy day because you get some really bad news, and he says, you got 30 days, and 30 days you'll be gone. And so you start thinking, okay, wow, what are you going to do with those 30 days? That is the answer to your question about what's really important. That is what's, what's really important to you. So, so asking you to think right now, what is it that really, really matters to you about this? Sometime back, I, um, I kind of posted a really informal um, survey on Facebook, um, and I haven't done this for a long time, so this is old information. I don't think it changes, but I just said, what's, what's really, what really matters and I had a whole bunch of answers. The most common answer that I got from people had something to do with God. You know, it's having a right relationship with God or, uh, you know, being right with God. Second most common answer had to do with, um, you know, my family, my marriage, or my children. I mean, leading them to be fully devoted to Christ was probably the second most. There were a lot of other answers, things like, you know, my church, making a difference, um, showing the love of Jesus, or all of my relatives need to know about the Lord and get saved, you know. But here was, was what was illuminating, what was not on the answer list. There wasn't a single person that said, I want to have X number of dollars in my bank account. There was not a single person who said, I want to have a house with X number of square feet and certain kind of countertops. Not a single person said, I got to have a certain kind of car or a certain brand of cell phone or a certain number of friends on Facebook or a certain high score in Angry Birds. Nobody said those things. <laughs> but yet, 
So often the things that we pursue are things that are not on the list of what's really the most important to us. They just don't show up on that. And so I encourage you to really clearly define what is sincerely, you know, what is the most important thing to you. And then I believe the, the, the Spirit of God will help you as, you as you do this. He'll help you to let go of, have less of things that don't matter and gain hold more of the things that really do. And that would be what I would consider one handful living. So, you know, a lot of people are grasping and better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. So that raises a question. How do we live a one handful life? And I'll give you a couple of thoughts and a few simple application points, and I pray that God will speak to us all individually as we go along. So how do we live a one, uh, a one handful life? I want to encourage you first to let go of what doesn't matter. Everybody read that together. Let go of what doesn't matter. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Let us throw off everything, some things, no, everything, that hinders and the sin that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw out everything that hinders. That Greek word that's translated there as throw off can also be translated as cast down, and it literally means a very violent casting down. Okay, so for example, you're sitting minding your own business, your hand ready to reach the next grab handful of popcorn, and the Seahawks have just scored another touchdown in a playoff game, and you notice something twitching on your neck and you reach up there and all of a sudden you pull out a spider and that thing's this big. What do you do? You don't think this through. Oh, cute little guy. No, nice 1883 eyes. No, you don't think that. You go, whoa, right? I know some of you are studs. You go, oh, nice little spider. Not me. The minute I realize it, I don't even think the, the impulses get to my brain. That thing is on the ground and my feet are flying trying to squash it out of existence. Don't know why I think spiders are evil if they're around me. Not if they aren't, but... <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a violent casting down. Jesus isn't saying, hey, set it aside and come back to it later. He's saying, throw it off, cast it down. Everything that hinders or gets in your way, the race that's marked out for you. I hope you understand that Jesus has actually marked out a race for you. That's implied there. It's very clear in that scripture. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And that, you know, he's put you on this earth to do something significant. And some of us don't feel very significant. Plus, the enemy comes along and he says, hey, what about this? And before long, you, real, you don't realize it. You're chasing after the wind. You're chasing after the wind. And you just sometimes have to have the discipline to throw those things down and to cast them down. And so here's some quick phrases that will speak to many of you about how we're going to do this. And so I'm going to encourage you in three different areas, cut back, throw out, and turn off. (laughs) Cut back, throw out, and turn off. Cut back. I don't know what you need to cut back on, um, and the Lord might be saying something to you, but most people need to cut back, I think, commonly on two things, spending and their schedules. I think those things just seem to strike more off. God will speak to some of you. Some of us, he'll be speaking, saying you need to cut back on spending or our schedule. Spending, you know, it's like better is one handful with tranquility. Better is one handful with some financial margin than two handfuls, but a financial noose around the neck. Better is one handful with a little bit of money and margin left over at the end of the month than, than two handfuls with fights, and fears, and phone calls, 
I mean, how crazy we, we get sometimes when we buy things we don't need with money we don't have and impress people we don't even like. I mean, we do these things. For some of you, <laughs> it's time to cut back <laughs> and, and to downsize. It's way better to have some financial headroom to breathe and to be able to give than to have stuff that just doesn't matter. Second thing to, to um, cut back on is our schedules. And I think sometimes I have to just get really aggressive about those kinds of things. You know, society ha- puts this huge pressure, and we need sometimes to cut back on society's pressure, this huge pressure to, to say yes, to say yes to a lot of things. One of the most people, you know, you walk up to people, hey, how are you doing? What is the most common answer if you, get, if you can get them something, than, get them say anything other than fine, good? Almost always, if they will get really sincere, they say, ah, I'm really busy. Have you noticed that? I'm just, I'm so busy that I'm tired. I mean, I think that's probably the most common answer. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm tired. Busy. Tired. Busy. Tired. Busy. Tired. Busy. Tired. When was the last time you got somebody who comes back, comes at the answer to that question, says, hey, dude, I'm relaxed. Or, oh, I'm doing really good. I got lots of time. I, I, have, I, have t- I play with my kids. Or, hey, my wife and I are doing great. In fact, we have a date night every week without fail. I'm relaxed. I mean, how, when was the last time somebody said that to you when you said, hey, how are you doing? It's just, I mean, seems like we'll get to those points of victory, but more often than not, busy, tired, busy, tired, busy, tired. Many of you are going to have to say no to some really good things so that you can say yes to things that are better. And I've just learned to say sometimes no to really good things so I can say yes to what's better. Just because you could do something doesn't always mean that you should do something. Let us throw off everything that hinders and entangles. The second thing is to throw out. Some of you need to throw out a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you've got to clean the clutter out. You know, I mean, some of you need to throw away like your life depends on it, because maybe it does. I don't know. I mean, I, mean I, I just went through a throwaway week at our house. <laughs> Lisa's looking at me like, finally. It's because I was preparing for this sermon, and the Lord was speaking. say, Terry, this is so you. You've got to throw some stuff away. And so I had a throwaway day this week, and I took a few hours and went into my closet and my drawers. And I mean, I, I had a stack of more than 100 clothing items that I'm just getting rid of. And, and you can't hardly tell in my closets and drawers. Okay, Lisa can tell. But I mean... You just need to, if, if you haven't worn it in a year, give it to somebody who will wear it. Right? I mean, just <laughs> give it to somebody. I mean, our house, we've lived in the same house for 20-something years. And the house is, it's not growing. It's not getting smaller. It's not shrinking. But our kids have up and grown up and moved away. But still, every closet is full. In fact, every closet is so full that there's some stuff now stacked out in the garage, and I refuse to make my cars be outside. I mean, I mean, temporarily, if you have to, but that's their bedroom. They belong in the garage. And yet, you know, I mean, we've even been to the place where we had so much stuff. We had to rent place from some of our stuff. We're paying money for more space for more stuff. Why? Because everybody knows more is better. Stuff matters. Now, get rid of it. It's clogging up your life. You need to just get rid of it. Third thing is to turn, turn off. I, I don't know what you need to turn off, but some of you need to turn something off. You know, if you spend more time with television, excuse me, television, <laughs> than you do with your children, <laughs> nothing wrong with television, 
um, there is something wrong with too much time on television. But if you spend more time watching The Biggest Loser and, you know, nothing wrong with The Biggest Loser. I mean, if you spend more time watching television shows than you do with your children or ever in the Word of God, you might need to turn something off sometimes. You just might. You know, you're never going to change the world by watching reruns. I promise you that. That will not, not change the world. And I, this might be meddling with some of you. I might be out on some tender ground here. But, you know, for some people, I know and I've encountered people, their cell phone is their idol. They cannot set the thing down. I mean, you know, oh, I just made a comment on Facebook and I've got three likes so far. Maybe I'll get to four. Or, um, <laughs> or, or you go out to dinner and you look over at the next booth, and it's a nice family of four, a mom and a dad and two teenage kids, and all four of them are not talking to each other. Every single one of them is doing this. They might be texting each other at the table. We just don't know, which would count as communications. But, I mean, they're, they're, they, you know, they, they need to turn something off. Or maybe if your spouse has said to you, hey, do you remember me? Turn off that phone. You know, that could be a sign <laughs> that maybe you need to turn something off, you know, and, you know, maybe make yourself a rule. Maybe there needs to be no cell phones at the dinner table. I mean, I'm not telling you to do these things. Scripture doesn't say don't have cell phones at the dinner table. It just, it just says better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. So... Um, some of us need to cast down to throw off some things. We need to let go of what doesn't matter. The second thing we need to do is, and I want to encourage you to do this, fight for what does matter. I mean, it's time to take on a fight for what does matter. I love Nehemiah. He, um, he has this declaration. He's, he's planning to do these good things, and he's got these opponents, Sanballat and Tobiah, and they're trying to talk him out of rebuilding the wall. The wall and Nehemiah says, no way, no way. You fight for something higher and you fight for it. Nehemiah 4.14, he says, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for what's important. Draw your swords. Fight for what matters. Don't let culture talk you out of it. Fight for what matters. Less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I, I just say this about you too, but my life, <coughs> excuse me, my life is too battle. <laughs> My life is too valuable to waste on things that just don't matter. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good for you to waste it on things that just don't matter. God created you. He, he put you on this earth to glorify him, to make a difference, to love him and to love people. Don't sell out by chasing after the wind. More, 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 more. Just don't do that. Jesus says, watch out, be on guard for all kinds of greed because your life doesn't consist of all this stuff. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil. I'm going to give you a very personal example of this, um, of a very difficult decision I had to make because I love ministry. I just love the ministry. And um, this is a long time ago that this happened, but I can still see it like it was today. Um, I mean, I, I, I love ministry and I always have. I love the challenge of trying to sort things out and um, finding solutions and reaching goals and caring for people and seeing things change. And I just love all that stuff. And, and it was really easy for me to stay at that all the time when I had a family, when I should have been with my family. And uh, I remember one time, Lisa says, come on, plan a schedule, plan on your schedule. Um, there's, a, 
presentation in one of the kids' classes, and we need to be there. I said, all right. So I took time, and I get there to this thing, and so help me. Now, the kids are probably, this is probably first grade. And <laughs> the kids had made these masks and put them on paint sticks. So they stood in this big, disorganized mass, held the little stick with the mask in front of them, and walked like this and bumped into each other for 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can still picture it, and it just makes me chuckle when I look at it now. And I was really frustrated. I thought, you know, I had things to do. I had things I needed to accomplish, and I was here for this. And it was a good thing. I mean, I was, those were good things that were on my to-do list. They were good things that were accomplishing things for ministry. They were good things. And my beautiful, wise, God-fearing, God-loving, God-hearing bride lovingly challenged me. And she said, you know what, honey? You probably don't remember this. These are your kids. And they're going to grow up. They're not going to be like this for very long. Don't miss it. <laughs> you know, the wind sucked out of my lungs life went into my, my lungs, really, what was happening there. Because you and I need to know the difference between what's urgent versus what's important. I'm so grateful for her advice, and you know, she doesn't know when I'm going to do these things that you're so, this is not put on me. I'm really grateful, honey, that, that you taught me the right priority. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. I look back at that now, and I, and I, and I know as I went through that, I, I didn't do it right. I didn't handle myself correctly. There were times that I walked away from requests. People said, hey, could you do this? Could you make this ministry happen? Could you fix this problem? And, and there might have been some people offended with me because I ne- said no to things. I said no to things that were good. I still do that sometimes. I say no to something that's good so that I can say yes to something that's better. It's hard. It's hard to do that. But I've learned to say no to some really, really good things sometimes, so I have the ability to say yes to the things that are better. And now when I look back, nobody knows or cares. I can't remember what I didn't do. (laughs) I can't remember those things. And there have been times in my life where I've been a two-handful person, but I'm here to tell you today, better one handful and a good marriage. (laughs) better one handful and children that you know them you know them better one handful and being able to help make a difference in people's lives better one handful with intimate friends better one handful and an intimate relationship with God better one handful and influence better one handful and margin better one handful and love than two handfuls with toil and stress and panic and greed and the chasing after the wind It's infinitely better to have less of what matters, of what doesn't matter, and more of what does. If you you don't just shake this message off, but if you let God speak to you, it will make you different. I promise you that. Everybody, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil 
and a chasing after the wind. Lord, I pray that today that you will speak to people's hearts. I pray, Lord, that somehow by your power, we would be different, not because we just simply will power our way there, but by, by, by walking with you under the power of the Holy Spirit, you would help to change our hearts. In Jesus' name. Lord, I, I pray too, God, for...